0: (laughs) Well, it's always a pleasure to be back here, Uh, and usually it's warm in summer, and that makes it really special. Sometimes, however, it's cold and damp, (laughs) and it's still nice to be here, so what can I say? Uh, Great to see you. I have some things I'd like to share this morning that um, apply, I think in a certain way to uh, the things that Dick has been sharing with me that he's been sharing with you, that you guys are on a journey for. And I thought it was interesting. I don't know who put up that slide there. That's That's you. And uh, I don't know what's coming out of her mouth. (laughs) That's right. But we're going to talk about the tongue this morning. And I want to know if, first of all, you're ready to take a pop quiz. Yeah? Yeah? Pop quiz, okay. Just fill in the blank. Ready? Okay, blank. Any guesses? And blank may break my blank, but blank will never hurt me. There you go. Okay, took you a while, but... We're going to talk about something from the book of James this morning, and James is a very interesting little book. It's a very significant New Testament book. It's unique in any other you know, New Testament book. You know that's James. And really, what James gives us are life lessons, very practical things that if you really want to experience the kind of life that Jesus promised to give, these are things you have to live out. And he's, I sort of picture James as a kind of short, about this tall, short-ish. <laughs> sort of like, you know, Dick's thing. And he's like Dick, thin, wiry. And he has a stubby finger. And he'll go right up to you and he'll just like poke your chest. <laughs> like he gets right down to it. That's James. So we're going to talk about <laughs> that this morning. And uh, here's what... James has to say about the tongue, because this is the center, really, of everything else. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 5, the end of verse 5 and verse 6. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire. By hell itself. Wow. wow. And here's my question. Can our tongues speak heaven? Can our tongues speak yes. heaven? Yes. Now, I, I really like you not to think about anybody else's tongue this morning <laughs> except <laughs> yours. Right? Don't, don't think about your wife's tongue, your husband's <laughs> tongue. Don't think about your work, co-worker's tongue, your boss's tongue your pastor's tongue, just your tongue, Um, but I will give you temporary permission to also think about my tongue a little bit. Um, Here's where James begins chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And this is where James begins his life lesson on the tongue. And I love it because he deliberately sets himself up, first of all, for evaluation. Now, remember who James is. James is one of the brothers of Jesus. James is also the head pastor of of the Jerusalem church. Now Jerusalem, you remember, that's the place where Jesus lived, he ministered, he did miracles there. It's where he was crucified, it's where he was raised from the dead, it's where the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost and the church began. It's that church in Jerusalem that he's the pastor of. Pretty significant. And he's saying, listen, I know something about position and authority, and I know this, when you teach, you automatically get Authority, status. And it's easy to do what you do in that position for yourself instead of doing it, as James says, as a slave of Jesus Christ. That is, teaching for them, not so they can admire you. And James is saying, you can check me out. You can test me on this. In the same way that Paul said, as I follow Christ, so follow me, James is saying implicitly, yeah, I'm talking about teachers, and I know I am one. And here's the reality. I am doing this for the good of those I'm leading. I'm not doing it for position. You know, dear brothers and sisters, let me just read this again. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. If we could control our tongues, would be perfect. We could also control ourselves in every other way. Listen up. God holds us accountable. God holds us accountable for what we say. He calls us holds us accountable, I think, for two main things. Number one, he holds us accountable for truth. Is what we're saying actually true? Is what I'm teaching actually true? Is what Dick shares with you on normal Sundays really true? Because God is going to hold us accountable to truth. Truth is not something that if we believe it, we make it. Truth is something that, if we believe it, truth tests our belief. You know, I think of uh, those cartoons where you have somebody being chased. They're running, just like, go right off the edge of the cliff. Still running until they look down. Whoa, I don't have any ground under me. Then whew, down they go. Truth, belief. Belief is tested by truth. So we're first of all accountable to truth. John, in his second letter in the New Testament, writes this. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth, And love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. Truth. Truth is pretty central. We live in a society that isn't so interested in truth. And the question is are we? You know, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this amazing statement about the church. He says, I'm writing these things to you, Timothy, now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you'll know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I don't know if you think of the church as God's instead of yours. This is not our church. It's his church. We are his church. We are the church of the living God, the one who lives in his people, the one who's chosen to find a place on earth called the church in which he can live and extend his kingdom. And we, as his household, are the pillar of truth. Wow. And James says when he thinks about this, we all make many mistakes. We're on a journey. We're on a journey of understanding and coming into what is true, and it is through mistakes. We all make many mistakes, James says. Mistakes means when Jesus came full of truth and grace, we understand God understands us, that he wants us to know the truth, but he knows we're going to make many mistakes along the way, and he has grace for that if we're pursuing the right thing. You know, one of the most um, difficult things, I think, that we as people um, wrestle with is truth contradicts what we want. And we are really great at justifying and rationalizing. It's amazing how much we can rationalize. And this morning, everything that James says is really focused on this one thing. How can we come into the place where in the process of making mistakes, we're still aimed at the truth and we're not letting anything stand in the way, namely our own hearts, of getting there and becoming what God wants us to be? See, his life cannot be fulfilled unless we're living in the truth of it. We can want the blessing of God, but we can't get it unless we're living in his truth. It's sort of like if God is in America and we're in Spain, we cannot get his blessing unless we come to America. We cannot get the blessing of God until we come into his kingdom where his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And James says the significant thing that we need to understand is what we do with our tongue is, has to do with whether we're living in the kingdom or not. Now we're living today in a time when tongues are on fire. Oh yeah. Facebook is filled with fire. Newspapers are filled with fire. CNN is filled with fire. There's fire in the tongues all over the place. How about us? See, what is God in t- His intention for us as his household, as the pillar of truth in our culture today? Well, that's a great question. And let's see what James has to say about that. First of all, James says, if you control your tongue, lo and behold, you can control everything else in your life. If you can control your tongue, you can control anything else. And he says, in case you don't really grasp that or don't think it's true, let me give you some examples. And so here, James chapter 3, verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want to go by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Look at God's creation and understand something about little things. God knows Big things come from little things, and in his created order, little things control the big things. And in his order of creation of the human being, the tongue controls it all. Now, having laid a sort of foundation of understanding, here is what he says. And I want to read this passage. It's almost the the whole of chapter 3, so it's a little long, but it's really good. So here we go. I think it's up on the screen beginning at verse 6. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Did you notice that James is describing a positive and a negative? And he starts with the negative, and then he gets to the positive. Begins with a negative. The unexamined, or I would put it this way, the unexamined and untamed tongue is like a fire spreading hell itself. The, the, the unexamined and untamed tongue is spreading fire. It's a fire that comes from hell. Um, Then he makes a very crucial point. We're going to come back to it in a minute because it's kind of like the center of what he's saying practically that we can do, understanding. And then he goes on and uh, says that the source of the words that we speak that's spreading fire is hell. And the God source, verse 17, the wisdom from above is pure, it's peace-loving, it's gentle at all times, it's willing to yield to others, it's full of mercy and good deeds, it shows no favoritism, it's always sincere, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That is the God source. Now, what is he saying? What he's saying is you need to evaluate what your tongue is saying. You need to evaluate what your tongue is saying. And here's the ways that you can evaluate it. Is it coming out of a heart of bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition, self-centeredness? If so, ooh. Or is it giving peace? Is it giving gentleness? Is it giving kindness? Is it giving love? Okay. Then we can go with it. See, now, we are situated in the place where we can evaluate our tongue. Again, don't think about your husband. Do not think about your wife. Think about just you, your tongue. When we spread what he describes as God's wisdom, we are spreading heaven on earth. You know, the picture of heaven Heaven coming to earth, being joined—that that's the plan of God. That's the purpose of God. And guess what? James says it rests on our tongue. We either spread heaven with what we say, or we spread hell. If you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Can't you just imagine James? This high. If you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth. What's the truth? You know what? I have bitterness in my heart. You know what? I want to do that because I want a position. You know what? When they got confirmed, when they got put in place, when they got invited to do that, in my heart, I was not, hey, way to go. I was, "Mm, why wasn't it me? Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, they're unspiritual, they're demonic. Wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. Hell. Hell is a place of separation from God. And it is a place of torment. And the already of the hell's torment right now is when you suffer with bitterness in your heart. When you suffer with jealousy in your heart, it's a torment to you. Life isn't going the way it should. There's things that are going on that I just, I hate. And it's a torment to you. You don't sleep well. When people step on your toe, you act like they just killed your head. (laughs) So what James is saying is, I'm telling you this, because I want you to evaluate your tongue. I want you to evaluate the source of your tongue. And when you sense this bitterness or jealousy or selfish ambition or self-centeredness, when you sense this, do something. See, we, we have three choices when we know what's going on in our heart that's coming out of our mouth. And the first is we... Give assent to it. Yes, I should be there because X, Y, Z, and they got it, and it's unfair. Or you don't know what this person's like. They just get me all the time. And it's perfectly right for me to feel justified in my bitterness or in my jealousy or in my ambition. What about my needs? I'm 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 being left out here. We can assent to it or we can excuse it. Well, you know, it's not so bad. Well, everybody does that. Well, everybody says that. Well, or we can reject it. We can say, "God, that is not your heaven on earth. That is hell on earth." And I do not want it in my heart. What can we do? Listen to this. Verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. That is, every single one of us have a problem. It is restless, it is evil, it is full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. There are... Two springs. One tongue, but two springs. That is, what's coming out of your mouth is either from God's spring or from hell's spring. That's helpful. Because if we're willing to reject it, we can ask God to close up that bitter spring. We're not in this alone. God hasn't come to say, here's the way, walk in it, good luck. No, he's come to say, let me be in you and let's partner together in bringing heaven's power to bear on hell's part in your life. Some years ago, uh, Nancy came to me one day and said, Don... You need to pray for me. Okay. I just am very bitter in my heart. I realize that I'm bitter because God made me a woman. And I see it, you know, worked out in a lot of different ways in my life, and I, I don't know what to do about it. I can't get rid of it. You need to pray for me. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. This is above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't, I have no, uh, I have no idea, like, how to pray about that. I said, well, you're my husband. And I came across this passage in James, and it just stood out to me. And I felt like God was saying, there's two springs. And you can pray to have that hell spring closed and the source of the bitterness that infects Nancy's heart will be taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think I have faith for that. You know what I mean like this is like this is big. So she just patiently waited for me to come and pray. So finally, after like three days, I said, all right, Nancy, I'll, I'll pray for you. And with about this much faith, or maybe this much, Lord, um, you know what's going on in Nancy's heart. And uh, I ask God that you close the spring that you showed me there in James and, and uh, let it be closed and close it up. How, how powerful did that sound? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly what it sounded like to me, too. And uh, then I, d- okay, that's it, I did my part. <laughs> and Nancy later told me for the next, I don't know, period of time, 24 hours, she sensed these two, like, angelic figures in her, in her heart. I don't know how they get in there, but you know. And one was God's angel and one was not. And they were fighting over her heart. And God won. (laughs) And she was free. And that... (laughs) That poison, she didn't have control over the poison. It just poisoned her. But God stopped it. And you and I are partners with him in bringing his kingdom. And our tongues are meant to spread heaven. And this morning, I just think if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, I have bitterness in my heart. I have jealousy in my heart. I really have selfish ambition in my heart. And I want it stopped. I want it ended. I don't want that poisoning my heart anymore. That we can pray and see God do it. So let's stand. I think, you know, if you want to respond, it would be good to respond by coming up, just taking a step and saying, I have bitterness in my heart, I don't want it, or I have selfish ambition, whatever those things apply to you, I want that spring stock. Uh So if that's you, just step out and come on up. And we just wait a minute. You know, God gets serious and we get serious. (laughs) Yeah, just spread out. Still a little bit of room. you know and God knows what goes on in your heart and you know what you're here for there's things there that you want closed up and separated from so you just present that to Jesus this morning and I'm going to pray and Holy Spirit is going to come and we're going to stop up that spring. So, Lord, you know these things in our heart. You know the things that just trip us up, that just get in there, and it just won't go away. It leaves a taste. It leaves a poison feeling and the poison sense. And, Lord Jesus, we give these things to you. We don't want these. This is hell. We do not want hell in us. Lord, we love your words of life. We love your peace that comes. We love the love that gets shared with us. And Lord, that's what we want to be fountains of around to the people around us, to our husbands, our wives, our church, our neighbors, our coworkers. And in Jesus' name, right now, Holy Spirit, come. And let those springs that come from hell be closed in the name of Jesus right now. Every spring that comes from hell, get closed right now in Jesus' name. Every bit of bitterness, stopped up. Every bit of jealousy, stopped up right now. That spring that just pours out bad stuff right now, stopped, closed up. And we unclog that spring of heaven. God's wonderful words of life, his wonderful words of truth, his wonderful words of mercy and grace and love, and forgiveness, Lord, we release that spring in a new way in Jesus' name. Let the measure of that spring increase a hundredfold right now. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.